we're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey everyone, welcome to Protect the Rock, the Athletics brand new Clemson podcast. I'm Nicole Auerbach, National College football writer for The Athletic, joined by Grace Rayner, our Clemson beat writer. And Grace, I'm thrilled to be doing this with you. I know, same. I'm really excited that the cat is finally out of the bag. We can team up together, have a little girl power every week. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Me too. And, you know, I mean, no better than starting with the number one team in the country uh, preseason. This is the first time that Clemson has ever started the season at number one. And, you know, obviously they're coming off of winning the national championship. This is the second for Dabo Swinney. You've covered both of those um, in your tenure as a Clemson beat writer. Now, what do you think we learned overall coming out of last year? I, I feel like it was the way that Clemson beat Alabama that really kind of changed the way that people think about what Clemson is and how sustainable this is. Do you agree? Totally, yeah. I mean, I think last year we were going into this national championship game and a lot of people thought, you know, Alabama is still kind of in a category of its own. They might run away with this, Nick Saban, the dynasty, all those things. Um, and I think just the way that Clemson beat Alabama just so emphatically, obviously we all know what happened, um, just made kind of a major power statement and like, hey, we're here too. We're here to hang. Um, it's not Alabama and the rest of college football now. And I, th- I think that I think that Clemson, even though they are going to probably try to want to downplay that heading in, uh, this is becoming a dynasty in and of itself. Yeah, I think that that's something that's been very clear, you know, certainly nationally, that Clemson and Alabama both are on a different level than everybody else. And I think that, um, you know, the, the fact that Trevor Lawrence still has two more years of eligibility before he can declare for the NFL draft is kind of a terrifying thought for everyone in the ACC and in college football as a whole. And I think even more so than last year, it's just let's pencil Clemson and Alabama into the playoff. Like, I mean, we did our our picks on The Athletic last week, and everyone had that because basically there's just two spots up for grabs until proven otherwise. Totally. And I think unless you're Lee Corso, I think you uh, are pretty much taken to the bank that Clemson and Alabama are going to be in that national championship game. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it just it feels like the season hasn't even started yet. And already it feels like everyone's gearing up for, all right, Alabama Clemson part five. Like, let's just go ahead and get on. Yeah, it's it's it. It's so inevitable. And one thing that I've been kind of joking about, but from from the standpoint of like wanting fresh storylines and different teams to play <laughs> each other in January just to keep things interesting, like they could just schedule a home and home play in September and then maybe that will knock one of them out. <laughs> but I know that's never going to happen. But I'm just saying like it's basically like they're on each other's schedule at this point. Um, and so, you know, it would be great. It would be great and it would be interesting and it would take away this like feeling of this inevitable march to the same matchup every single year. Um, you know, which which I mean, listen, I, I love to see two teams, two programs at the peak of their powers playing each other. I love that they're built so differently. Um, but I, you know, I also want some fresh blood. And so I think that that's that's a general playoff thing. And that's part of the reason I think some people want expansion and all of that. But I feel even more confident in Clemson. I, p- I picked them to win it all again, to, to repeat this year, because I just don't really see weaknesses. And, and I want to get into some of those with you um, before the season starts now. Obviously, Clemson opens with Georgia Tech on Thursday. But like, let's start with the offense. I mean, 
it's loaded. Like, th- there is no – is there a weak link on this offensive side of the ball? Because you have a Heisman frontrunner, a quarterback, pro-ready. I've had – I had folks in the NFL tell me he could have gone number one overall <laughs> if he had been eligible to be drafted last year. And then you have all of his incredible weapons around him back. Travis Etienne doesn't have nearly the workload that guys like Jonathan Taylor at Wisconsin have had. Like, he's pretty fresh. You have Justin Ross. You have T. Higgins. Like, is there any weak element of the offense? It is actually insane to think about what Clemson returns, just like the sheer volume of it. Um, I think if there's any question mark, um, at least going into week one, I I would think it'd be the tight end position. Clemson just hasn't really had a true pass-catching tight end since Jordan Leggett in the 2016 season. Uh, J.C. Chalk is going to get the start on Thursday against Georgia Tech. And this is a guy who blocks way more than he is involved in the passing game. And so um, I think there are just some questions there in terms of, okay, this guy's a brand new starter. He's all of a sudden a veteran. Uh, But I also think, I mean, I really do think, honestly, truly, that Clemson could still march right into the playoff with, like, next to no tight end play. I just, their receivers are just so freakishly good. This offense, as you said, is just so good. Um, so if you're nitpicking, that's that's a question, but um, I, I don't see it as a concern whatsoever if you're Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I feel like our uh, critiques of Clemson for this entire <laughs> podcast are basically going to be nitpick, totally nitpicking. So um, you know we're you know hopeful that you know our listeners will will understand that and have their own nits that they want to pick with us. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like one thing I am really fascinated about, Grace, and I know that we've talked a lot about that this offseason, is where Trevor Lawrence could actually grow. Because it's even crazy to think, like, he didn't even start at the beginning of last year. And, like, I can't – like, obviously I know the Kelly Bryant situation. I know the red shirt rule, and that became a huge thing. Unfortunately, we had to talk about it all again because of these rings and this offseason storyline because we had nothing else to talk about. <laughs> but – like, I really, I, I, I picture that offense. I picture everything as, as when it was rolling with Trevor there. And I think about the title game, and I just think about how dynamic and explosive it is, you know, in the in on the ground and in the air. And I just wonder, like, what other areas can he even grow in? Except, I mean, I guess you could always be more efficient. You could always be more accurate, things like that. But, like, what else is left for him? Right, totally. And it, I, it's insane that he... Like, I often have to think about and remind myself that, like, yeah, this kid did not start the first four games of of last year. Like, just to think about what he could potentially do in 15 games this year is kind of scary to think about if you're an opposing defense. Um, But I think with Trevor, it's just been more – they've had a lot of conversations in the offseason about – just taking things to the next level as a sophomore, scrambling, uh, checking your protections, that kind of stuff. But I really think with Trevor, the biggest thing that they've sort of – really emphasize with him is all right this is this is your team now you know this is a this is a guy who last year was pretty quiet when he first came in and Kelly Bryant it's no secret he was really popular in that locker room and everyone really liked him and rallied around him and so Trevor was kind of you know doing his thing he didn't really want to step on too many toes he's already a pretty humble guy as we've all come to learn but this year I mean there is there is no question that this is Trevor Lawrence's team and so I think Dabo and, and I know Brandon Streeter, Clemson's quarterback's coach, have sat down with him and said, all right, listen, you don't need to be a rah-rah guy. You don't need to be, uh, you know, a big cheerleader. I mean, like, could you even picture him to be a rah-rah guy? Oh, my gosh, guy? no, never. I, I, just, like, <laughs> I could never. I could never even picture him, like, I barely see him smile. I know. I want to go up to him and just be like, can I just hear you say rah-rah? Like, I just wonder what that would even sound like. like. 
So, yeah, I mean, obviously we, we kind of know what we're getting with Clemson's offense and the sky is the limit. And we're talking about a potential Heisman front runner in Trevor Lawrence. You've got Travis Etienne, who could certainly get into that mix, too. I, I, I know that we're going to be nitpicking and we're going to do this all season, as I said. But the defensive line really is a question mark if we're going to find a question mark on this team, right? Totally. I mean, and I think that their living proof that it's a question mark is that Clemson just put out its depth chart a couple days ago and a defensive end, you've got Logan Rudolph or Justin Foster, Xavier Thomas or Logan Rudolph at one of the defensive tackle spots. You've got um, Jordan Williams or Tyler Davis. And so here we are three days, a couple days before the game and, and Clemson still doesn't know exactly how they're going to rotate that D-line. It looks like the one lock is going to be Niles Pinckney at one of those D-tackle spots. It looks like he's pretty much solidified himself there. But, yeah, it is kind of – it's just such a different contrast to this time last year that uh, under no circumstance last year would there be any question, you know, mere days before the game who 75% of the starters on the D-line are going to be. Yeah, and, and I understand, like, that they feel maybe that they have a chip on their shoulder or whatever because they hear people talking about it as a question mark, as something that they need to prove. But – I mean, I think people are just saying that out of respect for the historical unit that was last year's. I mean, when you have guys like Christian Wilkins, Cleland Farrell, Austin Bryant, those guys deciding to come back and basically rewriting Clemson's record books, but also arguably the best defensive line as a unit, as a class in college football history. I mean, I just think it's natural that there are questions and concerns about a drop off. Like, I, I don't think people are saying that their defensive line is going to cost them any games. I mean, I think Clemson's still going to be favored to win every game on its schedule. But I do want to see what that looks like. I don't know if Georgia Tech is necessarily going to be the right measuring stick, but certainly week two against A&M. Yeah, definitely week two against A&M. I think if there's anything against A&M that I'm going to watch for, probably more than anything else, it's going to be that group and and how they look up front. Because you're right. I mean, it's not like they're just replacing, you know, a couple guys who had good seasons. These are... These are generational talents at Clemson across the board. This, like you said, this was probably the best D-line Clemson's ever had and, and maybe ever will have. And so this is a, a huge jump for these guys. So, yeah, week two, I 100% am with you on that one. So, you know, this podcast, we're going to be doing two shows a week. We're going to get into the weeds, um, you know, once the season gets going. But right now, you know, we're still looking at it from an off-season perspective, kind of from a macro lens. And Grace, I just wanted you to lay us out, like, who are the key additions to this roster from last year's? And then who are the key subtractions? And and basically what's different about the 2019 team than the one that won it all last year? Totally. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the big ones are the ones we just talked about. There's no more Christian Wilkins. There's no more Cleveland Farrell. There's no more Austin Bryant. Um, You lose a couple dominant linebackers in Trey Lamar, Kendall Joseph, you lost a second-round cornerback in Trayvon Mullen. So this this defense definitely lost some talent in, in a way that the offense did not. The offense, really, you look at the offense, and it's going to be a little weird not seeing Hunter Renfro out there anymore. But other than that, it's kind of business as usual for this group. Um, it, it Side note, it is very weird seeing another 13 on Clemson's field and knowing that it's not Renfro. Um, but... In terms of key additions and new guys, you know, Nicole, one of the one of the guys I am the most excited to see on Thursday night is this freshman receiver, Joseph Ngata. I, I don't know that I've ever – I've covered Clemson. This is my third season covering Clemson. I don't know that I've ever heard Dabo Sweeney talk up a freshman receiver the way he has talked about this kid who is also going to do some kickoff return stuff. And so 
Um, if there's anyone that I'm looking for on Thursday night, zeroing in on more than anyone else, it's this kid because it's just been unprecedented in the way that Dabo has sang this kid's praises. Well, and, and of course, when you're talking about a program like Clemson, putting a lot of pressure on someone, like they were careful last year. I mean, you could tell that they were really, really excited about Trevor, but I feel like it was still even more guarded then. Yeah, it was you could tell that it was it was such a precarious situation to begin with with Kelly and Trevor and then you know Clemson was just coming off of the Deshaun Watson era so there were a lot of questions about like okay are we going to compare these two can we compare these two and so yeah you're right it was a little more let's see what he can do he's come in super physically developed and he's obviously freakishly talented but let's just kind of wait and see what happens type deal whereas with Joseph Vengata, this freshman from from California, um, it's just been like the second that he stepped on campus, the second that he participated in his first spring practice, it was like, all right, whoa, this kid. There's something about this kid that, that Dabo has seen that I guess is rare and unique. And so I'm excited that after quite literally weeks of hype around this kid, okay, we're going to get to see him play now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you've done a great job covering trends in Clemson's recruiting um, because obviously you know he's the first signee to enroll with Clemson from the state of California since 1991 and you know we've also seen inroads in the state of Alabama Justin Ross you've written about Todd Bates so you know it's all really interesting how the success of these last few years has really already kind of shifted some of the behavior around recruiting totally I mean I was talking about this yesterday Clemson landed another top wide receiver in um, Alabama actually out of Justin Ross's high school EJ Williams and it's it's crazy it's like one thing for Clemson's brand to go national it's one thing to go to California one thing to go to Maryland and get Brian Breesey you know one thing to step into Georgia but to go into Alabama Nick Saban's backyard Auburn's backyard I mean that is just a completely different thing and it, it just seems like Clemson is doing that with such ease right now that it's it's just kind of like whoa you need to step back and realize how how big of a deal this is I mean even two, three years ago, this was not an instance where Clemson is poaching Alabama's top talent. And I feel like this circles back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, that like Clemson is not a flash in the pan. Like This is not a program that is showing any signs of slowing down. Like I think that what you mentioned earlier about Deshaun Watson was a really like a concern outside of the program. Like, was it just this once in a lifetime player who was able to elevate this program? And now I think you're seeing that it was not like this is a program that had built it in a very unique way, but is recruiting at the level and developing at the level, maintaining these coaches, that continuity, which is just unheard of in college football right now and setting themselves up to just stay as a power for the foreseeable future. And I think that's what's the biggest question for, I think the rest of the ACC to me is who can rise up to meet them. Like there's, there's such a clear gap in that conference right now. There is. They're totally. In fact, I was um, in church this morning. Some guy came up to me and was like, "Do you do you think NC State's going to do it this year? Are they going to beat Clemson?" And so it's it's funny how it's like here we are in, in August and none of the games have started, and it's already like, okay, is there maybe one team in the conference that like maybe we can put our eggs into their basket to beat Clemson? But you're right. It's just such a huge 
gap right now and you just look at the fact that Clemson has just already completely loaded up for the future like this 2020 class is already insane mm-hmm. they already have Trevor Lawrence's successor like in the wings and so it's it's wild to just see just how far and, and I know Clemson and I know Dabo has been very passionate about the fact that the ACC is a good conference this is a strong conference Syracuse gave them their hardest game last year et cetera, et cetera. but there I mean yeah there, there's a gap and, and we all know that well, here's another representative of that gap, that multiple former Clemson quarterbacks are going to play for other Power 5 programs this year, if not start. Because obviously you've got Kelly Bryant at Missouri, and you've got Hunter Johnson at Northwestern. Like, that is quite a statement that you exactly. have been recruiting at such a high level that the guys who couldn't win the job are going to be starting elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you look at Hunter Johnson, too. Like, this was a kid who, for his class... I think he was ESPN's number one quarterback. Like he was no, you know, he was, he was no snub, you know, he was a a really, really good quarterback. He could, he can be, and is going to be a a starter at another team at the power five level. Yeah. It's crazy to, to see just how insanely deep this quarterback room has become at Clemson that they're just running each other out essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know we were kind of saying how week two is going to be a more obvious measuring stick game um, against A&M. But I do wonder, you know, what are going to be those things that you're keeping your eye out? Obviously, you'll be covering the Georgia Tech game, and and there really are not high expectations for Georgia Tech right now. I mean, it's it's they're not going to be running the option. Paul Johnson's gone, um, and Jeff Collins obviously has quite the rebuild ahead because you've got people who players and styles of players who were recruited for the triple option. Um, so I, I don't think like anyone's expecting them to make a ton of noise in year one. But are there things that we're going to be able to learn about Clemson on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing on Thursday is going to be, I know we've talked about it a lot already, but just where is that defensive line? And, and especially those, those two tackles, Jordan Williams, Niles Pinckney, they were both out for the entire spring. Like, these are two guys who have not played in a competitive football game since January. Like, they did not play in Clemson's spring game. They did not do spring workouts. Um, so I think we'll learn a lot about where they are health-wise, where this defensive line is in, in trying to – bounce back from from the best ever and then I think we'll just learn a lot about you know Clemson likes to Dabo likes to play a lot of players you know this is a team that rotates as many people in and out as possible there have been many many times where they've traveled and they've played every single person who got on the bus and so I think that that if anything Thursday will be okay behind these superstars that that we know are primed for a great season what does Chase Bryce look like? What does freshman quarterback Tyson Pumacha look like? What do some of these new guys, some of these backups, some of these young cornerbacks, just that kind of stuff. And then the the other thing I think we really will learn on Thursday is just where Darian Kendrick is in terms of becoming a full-time defensive player now. You know, this is a kid who was a wide receiver last year, and they just flipped him this offseason. So there are things that we can learn, but I think it's going to be more about Clemson's own personnel than it will be, you know, how, how are they matching up with the rest of the conference right now. Do you think that we are going to get in a situation where we're not seeing Trevor Lawrence finish games? I mean, like last year, it was such a kind of a running joke. It ultimately became that like Tua Tengabailoa wasn't playing in the fourth quarter, hadn't really been in tight games. And and listen, like a and is going to be a challenge. That's going to be a fight. It was last year and it's going to continue to be. But like, are, is it going to be in that position where like they're going to manage, like we might see more of Chase Bryce than we did last year because it was still a true freshman and he wanted him to get reps, even if the game was pretty much in hand? 
I wouldn't be surprised by it, you know. I mean, the other day we were actually at availability and I think someone jokingly asked Dabo, like, you guys haven't scored in the fourth quarter in, in the last few games. Like, are you concerned about that? And, you know, Dabo just started laughing. He was like, well, you know, that's that's been by choice. And um, But you're right. Like, this is – if they just – clobber teams at the rate that they're expected to you do kind of wonder okay do you sit Trevor for a to to protect him keep him healthy and then b you know get Chase Bryce who's now a redshirt sophomore ready if they need him because there was a situation last year where Clemson absolutely needed him in that Syracuse game and they were thankful that he had gotten the reps that he had and so um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see more of Chase Bryce as the season builds as Clemson has these insanely comfortable leads to to build depth and then obviously keep Trevor healthy. Absolutely. And I think that it is – the schedule seems set up pretty well too. Um, obviously, we've talked about A&M week two. There is that trip to Syracuse. And Syracuse has kind of been the only team that's really kind of been a thorn in their side the last few years in the ACC. Um, you know, Florida State should be better, but Louisville's in a rebuild – BC, that's a home game. That's actually homecoming in October. Um, you know, Wake Forest will be improved. South Carolina at the end of the year. But, like, I feel like it spaces out to be, like, a pretty comfortable season if you're Dabo Sweeney. I know coaches are never actually comfortable, and they are always stressed, and you're always, like, kind of focusing on what you can improve on. But I, I really I, – I feel like the expectations of a national championship or bust are entirely realistic for this roster. Yeah, I think that's a, a really fair – expectation and, and a really fair narrative I mean you just I don't know I can't think of another team especially definitely in the ACC that just returns the the amount of talent that Clemson does but I do think there will be like a collective sigh of relief if you're Clemson's coaching staff maybe once you get through weeks two and three like okay Texas A&M is going to be physical that's going to be a really good game and then obviously going on the road to Syracuse who as we all know have given them issues in the past um, so I think once they get past week three and they can sort of breathe a little bit it's going to be pretty smooth sailing from there but yeah I mean you're right it just you just look at the schedule and it's just set up so nicely for Clemson to just kind of march right back into Charlotte and then march right back into the playoff yeah and and I again like we are so expecting that and the only difference to me really outside of you know obviously this time last year we were wondering when we would see Trevor Lawrence not really if we just kind of were waiting for that to happen and it happened um you know a month into the season but I guess the only other difference really is that kind of like bullseye on Clemson's back instead of Alabama's because I feel like even last year Dabo was able to you know it wasn't last year the rest of y'all the the bus like last year was they were still able to say like it's <laughs> yes. Alabama and everybody else and this year they're not going to be able to say that like is there a psychological difference like when you're so used to playing those underdog cards and like even after they won last year he was still doing that and it's like no you're a power you're a powerhouse now totally yeah I mean I think all of us on the outside are like okay the rest of y'all bus not a not a valid argument anymore little old Clemson not a valid, <laughs> right. not a valid argument anymore. But I, I do think that they will figure out how to. I don't know if it means playing an underdog card. I don't know if it means leaning into this new. Okay, we're the alpha dogs here. But they're they will figure something out to have a chip on their shoulder and and keep themselves motivated because if they see this Nick Saban team again, I mean, I just don't see Nick Saban not being. Sp- furious every single day this year at losing to Clemson by 28 points you know that was not a close game at all and so right um I'm sure I'm sure Clemson will come up with something I don't know what it is but you're right from the outside it's like okay you guys have arrived you're not still 
driving like you have arrived at your destination yes they're they're in the bus or they're at the front of the bus or whatever whatever that whatever the analogy was last year um so grace before we wrap up i kind of want us to give our listeners kind of a sense of what we're going to be providing them this year um we're going to be doing two podcasts a week we will be they will be airing on mondays and thursdays and Grace, you want to describe how, you know, we're going to try to get some listener engagement. If they choose to call in, we will play some voicemails. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. I know that we were setting it up this week, and I think that that's going to be a really cool element of just some interaction. You know, that's what we want this podcast to be. It's a chance for us to kind of interact with our listeners and our readers over at The Athletic on a more personal basis. Obviously, you and I, Nicole, are are so involved in the written word, and so hopefully this will just give you the listeners a chance to kind of just talk to us a little more casually and throw your questions out there, your hot takes, whatever it is, And, and I'm excited to see what people's thoughts are and the questions that we can answer and just kind of make this an ongoing conversation each week. Yes, absolutely. So um, we'll be tweeting this number. We'll be sharing it a bunch of times. But if anyone ever wants to call in and share your thoughts or ask us a question, you can just call 908-271-8395 and we will sort through our voicemails and hopefully include you in our next podcast. Um, but yeah, we are here to engage. We want to talk to you guys. We want to hear from you. We want to hear if you want weekly segments on, you know, the fav- your favorite, quirkiest, weirdest part of the game or whatever it is. We're here for that. We love all things, you know, like just the- I love punters. I love, you know, the weirdest things possible. Grace will do the nuts and bolts, but also weird things. We love The Bachelor. We love we The love Bachelor. Taylor Swift. All sorts of random topics. Nothing is out of bounds. So please feel free to t- tweet us questions. We we, we probably <laughs> love The Bachelor too much. Um, we, but we do. Tweet us your thoughts. Engage with us, please. Um, Grace also does a weekly mailbag. <laughs> um, we have lots of ways for you, our listeners, to engage with us. Um, and we are here to listen to you as well. So uh, this is our first episode of Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast brought to you by The Athletic. We will be back twice a week for the rest of the season. I'm Nicole Auerbach, and she's Grace Rayner, and thanks for hanging out with us today.